one. Welcome back to guys watching football training camp preview series. I'm back with my friend, my guy, Denar Melton, uh, also known as the Fire Zone show on Twitter now. If you haven't checked that out, uh, just released the first episode of the Fire Zone on the TGWF channel yesterday on YouTube channel. So definitely go and tap into that. Uh, I know you're going to enjoy it, like, subscribe, all that good stuff. But tonight, like I said, we're, we're continuing this training camp preview series we've been doing, and we're talking defense because that's the side of the ball we like best. So we're talking defense, and specifically we're talking about a position that Denard, I know, is near and dear to your heart, the inside linebacker group. Absolutely. Kind of the heartbeat. Kind of understand everything. Got to gotta, gotta get guys lined up. Got to – it. So much goes into it, and I think sometimes it gets lost because they're always the problem when things are going wrong. So, <laughs> well, and we as Ravens fans know that that particularly that middle linebacker position, mm -hmm. obviously huge tradition with Ray Lewis there. Um, we've got some exciting young guys in their current group. Uh, that we're going to talk about tonight. I'm going to throw these names up on the screen right now just so we don't leave anybody out. And so so everybody watching can see these names. Though so they're going to be names you know. Obviously, people know first-round pick uh, from, from, from last year, Patrick – well, two years ago. Patrick – no, it was last year, going in 2020. Patrick Queen, right? We got Malik Harrison in there, LJ Fort, Chris Board, and then you've got guys who – kind of been cutting their teeth on special teams so far. Taro, Alaka, Kristen Welch, and then um, a UDFA they signed uh, this year after the draft, Barrington Wade. You pointed out to me before the show, another guy from the University of Iowa, uh, Kristen Welch, also from the University of Iowa. You also mentioned safety, Geno Stone, always, uh, also from the University of Iowa. So we, before we jump in uh, to talking about you know, the backers and, and some, you know, what you expect and some things you're looking forward to because um, we had a little pre-show discussion about this. Let's let's jump off on that real quick, right, about these three guys, those three guys from Iowa and kind of what that triggered for you and what you, you've seen uh, in terms of maybe a switch in how they're approaching, um, you know, player evaluation and player, uh, player acquisition there uh, at the Castle. Yeah, so – we were just talking about how the Ravens have you can you can see a shift in how they evaluate players. And and I brought up Rashad Perryman as kind of the 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 nail in the coffin in terms of the Ravens are now a system. They're a system on offense. They're a system on defense. It's something they've really strived for, I would say, over the last four years. Like something they, they know when guys come in that the, the offense won't be changing much, the defense won't be changing much. So it, it makes life easier. So now that kind of changes how you evaluate players, how you put your team together. So instead of going out and maybe getting best player on the board, now you're looking for fits. Now you're looking for guys to fit roles that you know will help your team going forward. So 
it seems to me that with the act, you know, these guys they picked up from Iowa, they 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 fit a role. Geno Stone, Welsh, and the new guy Wade, they fit a mold, and they all look like the same type of players. If you really think about it, physical football people and smart. You kind of you you see all of it, and they're getting away from talented as being the number one kind of trait, that physical talent, that that eye-popping kind of wow, yeah, he you know, we can groom him. They're I feel like they've gotten away from that because it's burned them one too many times for guys they needed to rely on that season to be, you know, the team they needed to be. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it's not when you when we were talking about it before the show and you just laid it out for everybody watching and listening. I hadn't really thought about it. And then I'm listening to you explain it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I kind of see that now that you say it and you describe it. I kind of see that in it. You you can probably even track it through some some different guys um, in addition to those guys and probably, you know, continue to see that pattern and say, well, yeah, there's there's been a little bit of a, of a shift here. Um, and you can uh, see it on the offensive line. You, 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 that's where you get really, I know this is, we're, we're going to get back to linebackers, <laughs> but the, <clears throat> the offensive line is where you see the system. You see where they've really evaluated the last two years on this option thing. And instead of kind of dialing it back, they have cranked it up tenfold because now they have tackles that can get to the second level. Like right now they can, they can do arc blocks. They can now teams can't run games, pass rush games because that's, that's literally the only true and trusted way to stop a mobile quarterback is with games. It's literally the only way other than that, you might as well pack it up. <laughs> <laughs> and so then you've got to have a counter from when teams want to want to do that, because obviously we mm-hmm. know how mobile Lamar is, and you just hit on one of those counters. Maybe the biggest counter is is the number of option concepts that they've, like you said, continued to increase um, a little bit more each of the years that Lamar has been starting. Mm-hmm. All right, so you said it. We are going to get into linebackers, you know. But, you know, all this stuff's all connected uh, yes. to me, so we're going we're gonna to drop that down. I don't think we need to stare at that slide the whole time. But let's start. Let's start with the man, the man himself, uh, Patrick Queen, uh, a guy who, you know, I, I, and I, I, I think you agree. Uh, but, you know, I'll let you speak for yourself, obviously. But there, in my mind, there had seemed, after his season, uh, his rookie year, there seemed to be a little bit of, of, of some, some mumblings or some, some narrative out there that, you know, uh, maybe it wasn't as good a year for him. But, I mean, even if you just look at the numbers, and I know you look beyond that, but for a guy who didn't have a preseason, right, everybody was impacted by that because of COVID, steps in. Day one, game one, starting linebacker, right? Uh, 
this guy, I want to say he put up 106 tackles combined. Don't, don't leave out one of the known defenses in the league that is the notoriously hard to learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Very complicated. Everybody, we heard that when Earl Thomas came in here a couple years ago. Uh, that's a whole other story, but Earl <laughs> talked about how complicated it was to learn this team. But he's not the only one. He, I know there's some unique, there's some unique stuff there where uh, his car washes and other things involved. But <laughs> you said it, I didn't say anything. I couldn't resist. You knew I was going to say it. I couldn't. I was trying to be good, but I, I couldn't resist. But anyway, back to Queen. Back to Queen. So 106 yeah. combined tackles, three sacks. Two forced fumbles, an interception, a touchdown on defense off of one of those fumble returns, I believe. So, um, I mean, just even if you only isolated the numbers, and I know we're going to get into actual, you know, his some of his actual play, but even if you just focused on the numbers, I don't see how that's not a good rookie season. Um, but again, I'll turn it over to you. I won't put words in your mouth. What did you think about the year that he had before we even talk about expectations and, and things moving forward? What did you think about the year that he had? It was what I anticipated in terms of he started what maybe 10, I don't even was 10 games, maybe six games in LSU. Started the second half of his last season. That yeah. yeah. so that was all his starting experience. And like you laid out right before this this segment, no training camp, no offseason, barely any time in the building because you, you couldn't be in there with guys. And on top of that, you're asking this guy to come in day one and understand what's going on in front of him coming from a defense that – it's not overly complicated at LSU. Let's just we'll 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 keep it at that. Um so I anticipated that he would get off to a fast start just because it's football. <laughs> go out there and play. Go go figure it out. And I would say for every team in the NFL, the first four weeks was training camp, was preseason, was evaluations and everything. And the smart teams looked at film. The first smart team was Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. Kansas, Kansas City, and I hope Patrick watched it all offseason, as he should have, because he never wants to look like that again. Yeah. You, you never, as a linebacker, want to look like you literally are a chicken with your head cut off. And it was no fault of his because he didn't have time to understand what this was. <laughs> yeah. So you're still in, I'm going to go get everything. And that's what Kansas City does best to anyone. If you think you're coming to get something, I've already thrown it behind you and either Harden or <laughs> one of those other cats is already dancing in the end zone. You're like, I thought they're still running screen. No, that ball's already gone. Yeah. So I thought he got better after the Colts game. Yeah. I think this team got better defensively, surprisingly, after the Colts game because everything stopped 
it had to be basic. And the one thing you want as a defensive coordinator, one thing you want your linebackers to do is play fast, play smart, play fast. And it's hard to do when you're still learning, still trying to figure stuff out. But once they say, we're going to sit here and basically a three shell or two shell for the entire game after that first series, light bulb came on. Like, oh, this is not hard. And it just started to click. So I thought he got better at the end of the year. I think he got tired probably around a Dallas game. I think he saw that going into the playoffs. He played okay against Tennessee. Harrison was kind of the big dog against in, in that game. I think he saw he was out of gas in terms of he even admitted in, in the in the offseason that he came in out of shape. So even if he played himself into shape by midseason, by the end of the season, his body would have broken down twice as bad because he didn't come into shape at the beginning of the season. So he was really feeling it by the end of the season. Yeah. He's really candid in those comments, which a couple Mm -hmm. of weeks ago now, after, after maybe one of the mini camps or OTAs, um, and and pretty hard on himself. I mean, he he's pretty honest about it. Said, "Hey, I came in, I was out of shape. Took me several weeks to actually get into shape. Um, I was making a lot of the same mistakes that I really shouldn't have been making after the first or second time. But I just kept making them. I really wasn't learning from them." Um, and he said, "You know, that's all going to be different this year. <laughs> that's all going to be different coming in this year." He said, "I'm, I'm already in better shape than I was." Once they had started playing games, he's like, we, we haven't even started playing games yet this year. And I'm already in better shape than I was when we were actually playing games last yeah. year. Yeah. And then obviously his understanding of the defense, you know, going into it, having this time. I think this is something you could probably speak to this better than I could. But having this time uh, at the facility, right, being able to talk with coaches, talk with other players. I mean, people, you know, you talk about Zoom and all of that, but it's different. Right. And I've heard some other players talk about that. Some of some of the uh, younger players who say, hey, you know, it's just different when you can be there and then you can pick a coach's brain like you might have a meeting or whatever. And then you got to go on to the next thing. And you might say, hey, can I can I just ask you about this? You know, one quick minute. Can I just catch you on this one quick second? Right. Because I didn't quite get it while we were in there. And that stuff's got to be invaluable. Just being there, um, not doing everything remotely. Even though, I mean, talking to some guys and some of the vets, they were like, hey, this is, <laughs> we're good, baby. We can do, we don't need to have this trade. We don't need to have all these OTAs and all these practices. But for young guys, it's different. It's very different for young guys, right? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's completely different. It's, it's, it's like a freshman coming on the college campus. You, 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 you need time to settle. You need time to figure out where the lunchroom is. Figure out where to go to get your cleats. Figure out where to get this. Figure out where to get that. You need time. Patrick Queen needs time. This is every young guy needs time when they walk into that building because they need to find stuff. They need a home. They have to feel at home. If you do not feel like you're at home, you don't you don't perform. And and I think he saw after the COVID scare when the guys could come more to the facility, 
there was a different mindset going into the back half of that season once Lamar got back after the Steeler game. There was it was something different because it they had that vibe they could be around each other and and all of a sudden you just you felt that energy come back that had been missing since that magic that that run after the the you know last year and and the Titans just came in the house and said I'll have your chocolate cookies and your milk thank you I'm I'm, I'm gonna go back you know and and that moment. They couldn't shake that. You saw that all like the first half of the season. They just couldn't shake it. And that COVID thing, and it goes back to guys coming in the building, they may have shaken it off in camp or even, you know, after the first or second week, like, okay, we're rolling again because we've been around these guys. It took a minute because they weren't around you guys. So finally, once they're around you guys, everybody can settle in. You can feel at home. You, you You know where you can get a towel. You, <laughs> you know you know where the trainer hides the cookies that you're not supposed to have, but he doesn't mind because then he's just going to run you later. But that's okay. <laughs> you know, those little things happen. And when those things are not happening around a football team, you don't feel like a football team. Yeah. It's something um, that I heard uh, Akeem Talib He's talked about it a lot. He's got a podcast now called Catching Phase. Every time he's on there, he pretty much talks about it. But yeah, Jalen Ramsey on there recently. And mm-hmm. um, Jalen talked about how he wasn't at OTAs. And Tlaib said, hey, man, you got to do you. I get that. But I'm just going to give you some of this 35-year-old game. Every championship team I've ever been a part of, he said all of the dogs, right, the best guys on the team, they were there for everything. He's like, when they committed, when they said, hey, we're going to come in and we're going to be here for everything. And then all the, you know, all the rest of the guys on team kind of came in line and said, Hey, if they're here, top dogs are here. You know, we need to be here too. And he said, you build that chemistry, you build that camaraderie. And he said, it wasn't just on the field. It was in the locker room. It was off the field, like really just hanging out and vibing with each other and seeing us, you know, he was talking about like, I, I've even seen you like at your worst, like when you hung over, you sitting in the passenger seat of my car and I got to get you home. <laughs> he said, so that's just a different vibe. He said, that's yeah. a different vibe. This is a different every vibe. Like, every championship team he's ever been on, they had that vibe. Trust. Can I trust you? Can I trust you next to you? Can I trust you to get me home? Yeah. Can I, Can you know, can I trust you? to do what we've all been coached to do. And particularly a linebacker, it is the spotlight is there because everything happens in there. Yeah. So he just gave him that, you know, Ramsey took it. Ramsey received it. He didn't, he didn't push back too much. He just said, no, I hear what you're saying. He said, and I feel you. He's like, I've been, he talked about their uh, undefeated championship season at Florida state. And he said, that's how we were. Everybody was there. All the top guys were there for everything. And we had that vibe on and off the field. And he said, you, you're right. It was real. That was a real part of why, you know, we were so successful that season. But so get back to Patrick Queen. Cause oh, you know, you oh, hold on, hold on. Just on that point, he he's, he's kind of telling on himself a little bit, Jalen Ramsey in terms of that means there's not a leader on that team yet. Hmm. If Aaron Donald can't get you to OTAs, 
that's the bigger problem in St. Louis than Jalen Ramsey not showing up. If Jalen Ramsey is on a podcast saying, "Hey, I, I get you. We did that at, 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 at like you said at FSU. We were all the big dogs there. Now, some recall to see who was the biggest, biggest big dog on there to pull all those cats in. Will tell you who was the who's the leader. That cat ain't on the same. It's not on the Rams right now. Mm. That's a problem." Rams fan, we might need to do a Rams pod. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, if, if, your star, if your star quarterback is talking to a guy who was on that team, who's won two Super Bowls, I do believe, right? Yeah, I believe, and he's yeah. telling you, "Hey, come on, you gotta be that big dog." And, and Jalen Rams is like, eh, mm. <laughs> "They ain't never winning anything in L.A." Ever, yeah. I encourage people to check it out. It's a it's a really good pod. It's a really good interview because Ramsey is real. I mean, I've heard him do a couple different interviews, and he don't hold nothing back. So he went into some real detail about being in Jacksonville and how his exit out of there, how that whole thing went down. Um, just definitely go check it out. I encourage you. But let's get back to the Ravens. Back to Patrick Queen. Um, I think one thing we definitely saw uh, on the positive side was all the speed all the playmaking ability, all the athleticism. And I should qualify by not, not saying we've seen all of it. I mean, it was as advertised, but I think we just saw the tip of the iceberg, yes. right? Because, and you know, all the things that you talked about that maybe didn't allow him to play as fast as he possibly could. But I guess the point I'm making is, so if we're not at that level yet, and what we saw last year is just uh, a little glimpse of what uh-huh. it could be. You know, that's something to get pretty excited about. And so that's where I want to I want to kind of take it to you now with going into year two. What do you expect? What do you think are some things that um, you would be looking for him to improve on? Like when you they get out on the field, preseason, regular season, whatever, and you're watching him in your mind. What are you looking to see? Like, all right, if I see these things, then I know that he's 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 trending in that right direction. If he's playing slow to fast. And what I mean by that is if he's reading his keys and not taking false steps, that means that that means he's processing everything correctly. So I'll be watching his feet. But one thing, there's two things about a linebacker that are important at the end of the day is your eyes and your feet. Your eyes are going to take you to the play, but your feet might might not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we saw some of that at times. <laughs> yes. So trust your eyes. Calm your feet. I, I, I – you don't see it very much anymore because a lot of the linebackers now were former safeties who've come down every once in a while, like a Luke Keekley, um, those type of linebackers, you'll see it. They don't take false steps, but they take read steps. Hmm. They take one read. They, 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 what I mean by read step, they'll pick their foot up, put it down, or they'll kick their heel up just a touch. Cause what it'll do for you as a linebacker is, is stop you. Gives you that split second to read. 
Gargoyle here. Okay, now I go. Instead of my, my old coach would tell me, if you see a guy with wings, we're all in trouble. <laughs> and what I mean by that is guys who who pop up right away. You see their feet leave the ground. And you're just like, how are you ever going to play any sport when you're levitating? I mean, there may, <laughs> there may be something coming in the future, near future. Who knows? We ain't there but, yet. But right now, I need you to keep your feet on the ground, keep your eyes focused. And that's what I'm going to be paying attention with Queen. It's not the stats. It's not this. It's not his mind. He's... I'm not worried about his I'm not worried about his knowledge of the playbook. I'm not worried about any of that stuff. I need to see that his technique has gotten tighter. Because if it's gotten tighter, that means his mind can slow down and process everything. Now that's slow to fast. That's interesting. Now let me ask you because I I, I think about it this way in my mind. There may not be a connection, but I'm always making connections to stuff probably that maybe shouldn't even be connected. But you play running back, too. Mm-hmm. And so you hear that with running back, slow to it, fast through it, right? Yeah. Same kind of it, – it, but it's the opposite side. But it, to me, I've always seen a connection between running backs and linebackers. Of course, people probably know Patrick Queen played running back in high school. I always see that connection between running backs and linebackers because in that sense – they kind of have a similar approach where you got to be slow to it, but fast through it. Do yes. you see any kind of parallel? Somebody who's played, you know, running back too, any kind of parallel? Well, though, the reason why they're parallels is because the same body type can play either position. The same type of person can play either position. Now, the only difference may be that they may have a different running back can do what you do, which is why you may end up on a defensive side, but they don't have anybody who's got the reason why running backs in the NFL fail is because they don't, they don't use this. It's the same thing. Linebacker. If you don't use this. Slow to fast means nothing. <laughs> Cause all you're going to do is slam up into the wall. I think there's a great mem out there with Trenton Richardson. perfect example of fast and not knowing where the hole is there's a picture of it where there's like a you could drive a cement truck through it at the goal line and this man is running left and the holes to the right and and it's like he never sees it because all he was he's one-sided he he saw the play was supposed to go to the 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 strong a gap and that's where his mind was The smart running backs, the smart linebackers that stay in this league for a long time understand there's a process. (laughs) Offensive line has to engage. So that gives you another split second. The quarterback's got to take the snap. That's another split second. So you, you in your mind, and that's why guys say the game slows down because you see all this. Mm. That's why Luke Keekley is so good. He's probably seeing the game in slow motion. Like that cat probably looking at the game like this is boring. That's probably why he retired. <laughs> Besides getting hurt. <laughs> no. But I'm just saying, sometimes it can get so boring because you're so in tune. Mm. 
And that's why Ray Lewis was so good for so long. He understood everything. He watched film. He knew what you were doing before you took the series, two series before that. <laughs> so, right. So that's just, that's why running backs and linebackers are the real same body types. But surprisingly, quarterbacks, particularly running quarterbacks, different story, they end up as linebackers Linebacker. because we're because we're smart. We understand. Get down. <laughs> we understand. Find the hole. We understand that we've got to navigate through things. Mm-hmm. So take that over to a linebacker. You have a sense for the football. You understand angles. Now you just got to – it's all toughness at that point. Do you want to tackle? That's literally the question. Do you mind hitting someone at full speed? If that question is like, hey, yeah, <laughs> come on over. Got you can do it all day. <laughs> got something to work with. And I know tackling is something – this is the last thing I'll say about Patrick Queen. I know we got other guys. We'll move on. Tackling is something some people kind of harped on, missed tackles. Um but for me, and I want to obviously get your opinion on it, but for me, a lot of that ties into some of the stuff that we've already talked about. You talked about technique, about tighten it up technique. And then those opportunities that you would normally have in a normal offseason program to, you know, I, I think not until they get to training camp because, you know, many camps, OTAs, I don't think they're doing any live tackling. They're not allowed to anymore. Um, right. But even in training camp, you would have some live periods. And obviously in preseason games, you, you're full live. They didn't have any of that. And so you're just rolling right into your first NFL game. And I'm not saying having to learn how to tackle. Obviously, he's been playing defense high school and college. He knows how to tackle. But this is a different breed of guy you're tackling at the NFL. Yeah. And, you know, everything's got to be different, right? Angles and body type, everything's got to be different. It's different, but it's still the same. Yeah. And And the two big things that hurt him last year, Technique, he can clean that up as well. As sometimes he doesn't bring his feet. But I think that had to do with his conditioning. And they kind of go hand in hand. Tackling conditioning kind of go hand in hand. And then they they just do. When a team's you you'll see it in a game, fourth quarter, teams get tired. They stop tackling. They stop bringing their feet. Queen. He admit we've talked about it already. He admitted he came into camp, you know, out of shape. That's where it shows up late in the season. Because now you you all those great tackles you were making because you were diving and making plays. Well, now we're week 17, we're week 18. That explosion is gone in your leg. <laughs> you you're not getting there unless you're running through things. That's you know that's kind of the reason why the playoffs are such are much more intense because guys can't lay out and make plays because their legs can't <laughs> physically get them there. But you know what? <laughs> going 100 miles an hour and not having any break. <laughs> yes, I'm going to go run through that brick wall to win that ring. So we're we're just gonna bring everything. That's why guys get hurt a little bit more, get dinged up, because a they probably haven't tackled like that since probably a game against Green Bay in in week seven or something like that. So 
it's kind of all relative when it gets to that point. But tackling and conditioning go hand in hand. So the good thing about that, uh, and that's an excellent point, not one that I, I had thought of at all, is all these things that you've talked about for the people that are concerned about certain things, certain elements of his game, they all sound correctable. Right? Yes. These don't seem like fatal flaws, like, hey, mm. there's nothing that can be done about these things. Yeah. They just are what they are. Yep. None of them sound like that. So that's a good nope. thing. So nope. um, talked about just transitioning here to the next guy, tackling and kind of being a thumper, Malik Harrison. Right. <laughs> An interesting guy, very interesting guy to me because uh, I think he came in with that reputation as being, you know, a thumper. Obviously, he's a bigger body type uh, than, than Patrick Queen. And we saw that. We, we, we certainly saw it uh, in certain games. I know you've talked before about how he showed up uh, in the Titans playoff game. and You even saw it earlier in the season. I mean, he's a guy that is going to come downhill. He's going to take on blockers and uh, he's going to bring something with him. Uh, when he does. So uh, we'll do the same thing we did with Queen. Uh, we'll start with a little look back on his year. Um, you know, he played a little bit more in the earlier part of the season and a little bit less uh, in the in the back half of the season. But overall, what do you think about um, Malik's rookie year? I thought it was pretty solid for a guy who, once again, had no preseason, yeah. had no offseason, kind of walked into the squad really didn't have a defined role walking in here because he played a little bit of outside linebacker, played a little bit of inside linebacker. So he had the biggest kind of curve to navigate because the Ravens really didn't know what they had. (laughs) (laughs) You know what you have in your first round pick. You know pretty much what you have in your second round pick. After that, it's kind of like, well, we have to wait till we get to camp. Yeah. <laughs> when they got him in the camp, they were like, well, what do we do with it? <laughs> <laughs> so that took them a while to figure out what they could do with it. And so that's why you saw kind of his spot duty. That's why LJ Fort was very valuable to this team and will be valuable going forward for this team. Um, so you have that going on and then Harrison coming, you know, on later in the season against the Steelers, against the Titans, against these physical running football teams was, was very warm in the sea because we, we've struggled at the point of attack at linebacker. For the last, I would say, four or five years, even when CJ Mosley was here, we struggled at the. At struggled at. I'll see you upstairs, bud. (laughs) He was, you know, we struggled at point of attack. We struggled at, you know, just controlling the running game inside. So it's it was it's really nice to have that in our in our back pocket for sure. But I think he brings so much more. And I think we saw that towards the end of the year in terms of his his pass coverage. And he stepped into that Titans role and he he he's the one to watch this year. I feel like. Like we know what we're gonna get from Queen. 
Queen is going to be good. He's going to be very good. Fort's going to be solid. You know what you're going to get. You know what he's going to do. He's going to be there. If Harrison takes that step, that I feel like he will because, once again, he's going to have a full year to digest all this. And now they know who he is. So now Wink is sitting in his room like, I can move him here. I can make him the new McPhee. Yeah, I can do – see what I'm saying? Now they can expand his role and use him as the McPhee when McPhee snaps need to be around about 15 to 20 snaps. Now you can kind of shift that to Harrison. Now give Harrison another 25, 30 snaps. Now you're getting some production out of him. So you like that idea of not limiting him in terms of how you use him, not only playing him off the ball inside, but like you said, he played some outside backer, not only in college, he, he kind of took some snaps there last year, you know, not, not to the same extent he did in college, but for the Ravens, he kind of took some snaps there, but sounds like you like that idea of using his flexibility and oh. skill set that he has. Oh, without a doubt. He, he is the next McPhee. If, if, He's got that thump. He's got that. If he's in the in the A gap, he's gonna move somebody, and that's kind of what McPhee does best. Like he moves people. He's violent, <laughs> and he reestablishes <laughs> a line of scrimmage for you to do your games and things that that sort. That's what Harrison brings to the extent that he's even more athletic than McPhee. Mm. So that even opens up the door to throw him outside with Bowser and him, go have some fun, boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. every time I watch McPhee, and we talked about him before, violence is what comes yes. to my mind. He he chooses violence. When oh, he's every out. day and twice on Sunday. Because <laughs> there are guys that are physical. I mean, you're, you're playing at the highest level of football, so guys are obviously physical, but there's something that's just violent about his game. It looks different. It looks different the way that he plays versus you see other outside backers and everybody plays differently, but there's just, there's a violence there that is, uh, that is, is unique. Uh, to, oh yeah. To him. And, and, and every black family will, will attest to this. There's that one uncle who is, his, I don't care how big he is, is the strongest. You just don't mess with him. I don't, don't, don't do it. Don't play any games with him when he's, when he's in that mood. Let him be. <laughs> Don't challenge him. Don't do nothing. That's McPhee. Like, if he's in that mood, go ahead. You, you, you see it every season. When he's in the mood, he 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 dominates. When he's when he's fresh, dominates. <laughs> yeah. You got that adult strength. Yes. And we saw we saw it in that Titans game. I mean, he was on another level. Uh, in terms of of how he like, no, you you were you were gonna feel him all game long. It wasn't gonna be no let's brother in law this thing. You know, we mm-hmm. we can, we on the backside. We can we can take it eat. No, nah, he was <laughs> he he's, was all he, in. He's every defensive coordinator's like love child. Like the dude will do anything and everything for you. Oh, you need me to you need me to go crash the end so we can get done. Oh, you need me to run through that brick wall so we can – I got you, Coke. Yeah. <laughs> no you problem. Gotta <laughs> you got to love it. You got to love it. Uh, 
Transitioning to the next guy. Now, I'm going to group some of these guys at the end together because I don't know we got to spend a lot of time on them individually because yeah. they, they kind of are all, you know, it's a it's a two-dollar, one-bone kind of situation for some of these yeah. guys. But this next guy, now we talked about four, right? And I don't want to give short shrift to LJ four, but I think we all know, like you said, you, you kind of, you know who he is at this point. He's been in the league long enough. Um, you, you He's carved out a role on this team as that solid. And really, because when you look at it, when we had the slide up earlier, I mean, he's the vet in the room. There's a young room uh, yeah. outside of him, you know? Yeah, um, still you're young. About, yeah, yeah, because you, you're talking about Queen and Harrison going into their second years. Uh, Welch is coming off his first year. Alaka, he's been battling some injuries, but I think he's going into his third year. Uh, Unless Chris Board. Go ahead. Oh, he's going four? Okay. No, no. I was gonna say, I think, yeah, you're yeah, right. I, I think I was going to say Board is going into four, right? Yep. I think this is four for Board. And then obviously Wade. UDFA, we, we're not even sure, you know, if he'll, if he'll make the team at this point. Um, but Forts, he's the he's the elder L, LJ Forts, the elder statesman in that room. And so, like I said, we won't spend a whole lot of time on him because I do want to talk a little bit about Chris Borg because I think he 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 kind of carved out an interesting role for himself last year. But with Fort, um, I wanted to ask you when you have a young room like that, when you have a bunch of young guys, and there's basically like one older veteran guy in that room what's that dynamic like i mean when you what do you think when you're that veteran guy are you sort of saying hey i'm gonna kind of take these guys under my wing or you know what's it what's that dynamic like it depends on the one who is the the lj fort in the room and it can go two different directions either He's in it for himself, and he'll give you what you need or what you want and kind of not really – he will help, but he won't make the lock – he won't make the linebackers a group. He won't make them communicate. He won't bring them together. And then you have the other guy who's willing. His only mission is to make everyone else around him better because if he makes everyone else around him better – Guess who gets to hang around for a long time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And think about when they brought him in, right? When they they uh, they brought him because this we're going back now. We're going back to the uh, mm-hmm. the peanut and the Kenny Young days, right? And obviously that was that was rough for those first couple games of that uh, of that season. I think that was uh, is that 2019? That was the twenty nineteen season. Uh, I, and they I brought refuse. In- I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> And they brought in LJ Four and uh, what's my Josh Bynes. They brought yes. in Josh Bynes and they brought in LJ Four. But then who did they keep? You know, I thought Josh Bynes played pretty well, but didn't keep. Josh I was Bynes. thinking Josh Bynes played better. Yeah, and that could have been contract related. Obviously, we know it's his business in the NFL, so there, there could have been a money part of that too. Um, but I guess I'm saying all that to say I, I I'm hoping. Obviously, I don't know. None of us are in that room. We don't know. But I'm hoping that LJ Ford is that second guy that you described. He's a guy that wants to try to help everybody get better. He's been in the league. He came up primarily as like a special teams player because I don't think he was drafted. I think he was a UDFA. So he knows about having to scrap and claw and fight. And, you know, now he's carved out a nice little role for himself. He basically was the linebacker who played opposite of Patrick Queen probably the most and kind of rotated that spot with Malik Harrison and this other guy that I'm going to bring up now, Chris Boer. Uh, 
Chris Boer is an interesting guy to me because another guy who kind of cut his cut his teeth on special teams, really kind of made his name there, becoming a, a really solid special teams player, but probably carved out a little different role last year for himself uh, being on the field and a lot of those nickel situations is basically the only inside backer on the field. They had a bunch mm-hmm. of outside, you know, five DBs, a couple of outside backers and some D linemen, but he was really the only, you know, sort of traditional inside uh, backer on the field and was involved in a lot of their pressure packages in those, uh, you know, when they were in that nickel set. Uh, I really kind of liked it. I really kind of liked when they had him in there. Um, I know it can get difficult to kind of manage all of that, right? Because you've got Harrison, you got Ford, you got him. They did it last year. And I think as the season went on, like you said, they kind of started to learn where everybody best fit. Mm-hmm. And, and had a package and had a you know a set of plays for everybody. But what do you think about Chris Boer going forward? Where where do you see his fit? Is it continuing in in that mode from from how they used him last year? Is it more? You know, does he do? Do they put more on his play, or where do you see that fit for him? I think his fit is the is the Levine fit. Okay. <clears throat> I think when Levine got hurt and really couldn't do anything on defense, and they just really kept his snaps really limited to special teams for pretty much the whole year. Um, they need, they needed a, a, a fast person who's more physical than Levine was in that role because teams, what teams did was run against that a little bit more against the Ravens. So you had Chuck Clark walking in the box with Adam Levine, I, Anthony Levine, I'm running whatever whatever check I have in the box. I'm I'm running. I don't care what it is. I'm running it. Um, so they kind of tripped into that because they needed that athletic person on the field in that package. So he took that role and really ran with it. And I think you saw once again with we'll come back to this word trust board and Fort, you know what you're going to get with those guys. You know. Yeah. Not splashy, not flashy. They they can hold their own. They can spot start for you every once in a while. We go back to this idea of we get, we, we fill roles. This team is about filling roles. And, and board fills a role and and Fort fills a role, and and that's what they're going to go doing forward. And I think that's the only way this all works. If you find the puzzle pieces like a board, like a Fort, to supplement the Lamar Jacksons of the world, when you have to pay J.K. Gobbins, when you have to pay Mark Andrews. Mm-hmm. We'll save that for another day. <laughs> we'll for another day. Yes. Yes. So yeah, I'm I'm totally on it. Okay. I'm, so, I'm on board with the Chris Board experience. I think he's a solid linebacker. I think he brings a lot to this team. And the fact that he plays a very good special teams, I think it's just the kind of the icing on the cake. I think he does every he checks every box that this team looks for in an extra linebacker. 
Yeah, he's kind of got that modern NFL linebacker body type. 6'2", about 230 pounds, runs all over the place. You know, kind of like a big safety, kind of a yeah. body, like you said, yeah. like, kind of like a big like a big safety. Um, and I think even going back to when he was at North Dakota State, he might have played a little bit of like nickel, <laughs> you know, not, not true, but like nickel Sam. That kind of like kind of out there is that nickel backer extended yeah. away from the box. Yeah, they, they call it kind of the joker. Yeah, yeah. Kind of role. He played a little bit of that. Yeah. So he's not I played that in naps. That's where I got my, okay. my my start was out in that. It's a four two five. So the the they call it the weak safety. Well, at Navy they call it the weak safety. So you always went to the passing strength of the formation. So you you were the immediate force player outside. You do all those things. That's what he did at North Dakota State. It's a very good defense, particularly in D one AA at that point, because a lot of teams did not run spread. Mm. So when you can do those things, it's great. Once teams started running spread, no, <laughs> you, you got a different work. set of problems. Got a different right. set of problems at that point. All right. So as we get ready to wrap up, we'll just lump these three guys together because I think we talked about four guys who I'm pretty sure we both agree. These guys are all on the team. There's no questions there. But will they keep a fifth inside linebacker, maybe even a sixth inside linebacker? You got Christian Christian Welch, Otara Alaka and Barrington Wade. I think to start the season, if I remember this right, I think Welch was on the practice. Obviously, Wade wasn't on the team. Uh, Welch was on the practice squad. I think Olaka had made the team, and he was playing on special teams. Still, kind got of hurt in the first game got, or two, right? Got hurt, uh, which is which has unfortunately been the story for him his first couple of years. Uh, he's had a couple season-ending injuries, and then Chris Welch kind of got the bump up uh, to kind of take his role on special teams. So right. we probably feel like whichever those guys uh, sticks, that's going to be their primary role. But yep. you think? just in terms of the numbers game. And I know you really have to back this out and look at the overall roster to really kind of figure this out. But do you think they keep uh, more than five backers? I can, I guess I could see them. Well, or, or do you think they'll stay with four and just, and put the other guy on practice squad? They can get away with four because Bowser can play inside. Hmm. So he can spell if you, if you need to get through a game. So as it like you said, it's really going to be a numbers game. They can, I would say, their initial roster will have four inside linebackers. I, if they feel like they can't get one of those guys through, which I highly doubt. Yeah. Then they just pick them up and and throw them on a practice squad and go from there. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they rolled in the camp, you know, rolled out of camp with four and then use Bowser as the emergency inside if you need to. I think Olaka is a guy who um, the last time we had a preseason 2019 was a guy who kind of had a little bit of buzz because he played with a little bit of thump, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't think he's a huge, huge guy. I'd have to go back and look him up. I I think he might be closer. I think he's like 5'11", but he's like a, like a, like stocky, just built like a bull type dude. 
Yeah, I think he's got closer to like a uh, yeah. See, they, oh man, they they list him at six three two thirty nine. I didn't know that. I don't think he's that big, but okay. I didn't think he was that tall. But, I, <laughs> yeah. all right. um, all right. <laughs> but, but anyway, you know, it was preseason. He was flying around. He was doing some things, so he got a little bit of buzz. But you know, he he primarily has special teams role, and and then kind of did some nice things there. Um, people might remember last year uh, before he got hurt. We talked about the Kansas City game earlier. The kickoff return that uh, Devin Duvernay had. Um, I've tweeted this clip out a couple of times, so people may have seen it, but there really were like three key blocks. I mean, obviously to have a return TD, you got to have a lot of good blocks, but mm-hmm. there were like three key. So like Biles Boykin got one and then Nick Boyle and Olaka had a double team on a dude. Boyle kind of came off a little bit and Olaka just buried the dude. And uh, DuVernay was able to kind of head up the sideline and nobody was catching him at that point. So, you know, Special teams is something that's kind of near and dear to my heart. I follow it a lot. Uh, I don't know a lot of casual fans do, but I'm kind of nerdy that way. Just because for me, I'm I'm always pulling for those kind of guys. I like the kind of underdog guy who's just trying to fight and, and get a roster spot, and that's really kind of how he's going to hang on the roster with special teams. And then uh, you, you would know this better than me, but I think you learn a lot of basic fundamental techniques on special teams that carry over into offense and defense, right? Not exactly everything, but I think you learned some some fundamental stuff there that carry over. And um, we've seen over the years with the Ravens, particularly talking about linebackers, a lot of guys start there, whether it's your Zach Ors or whoever. And, you know, they and even Chris Board is starting to get more of a role on defense. A lot of they have a lot of linebackers who kind of start there and carve out a bigger role for themselves. Um, on the defense. So who knows? Who knows where that next guy will be? Is it a lack of, Is it Christian Welch? Is it Barrington Wade, who's just getting ready to start his right. NFL journey? Who knows? Uh, no. That'll be interesting to see what happens with those guys. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm I'm intrigued to see how this shakes out going into the season. Um, <clears throat> I'm, I'm interested to see what the, the snap count's going to be early in the season. See what you know, how how that immediately breaks out, and if if Harrison takes the 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 job by the throat, you know from from day one camp, or is Fort just you know just better? Then if that's the case, then I start to worry about Harrison, unless you're going to use him all over the place, kind of like you did with Bowser last year. I'll definitely be paying attention to that too. Um, and you know, it, it can it can change over the course of the year, kind of like it did last year, where it was kind of the opposite last year, where he started out playing more um than than board for sure. This is mm-hmm. probably closer of a split between him and Fort, but then board started playing more um towards the end of the season. Now, some of that was probably game situation too, because those last couple of games, um you know they were they were getting some big leads on the Jacksonvilles and the, and the Giants. Well, remember Fort was hurt; he had a hand yeah. injury for a minute. So I don't know if and that ever was old field before the playoffs. Yeah, and it was, so there was that, and then in those games where they were getting up and getting two, three score leads, you know now those teams are in pass mode only, and so you know board yeah. was, as we talked about he was kind of your nickel guy in there for the backers. So some of that was probably a factor too. But yeah, watching watching those snap counts. Um, will be very interesting for the guys opposite Queen. Like we said, we know Queen's going to be in there playing a ton of snaps and seeing the guys that go opposite him. Uh, Because, look, you never wish this. Uh, Obviously, you want everybody to be healthy, but we know NFL 100% injury rate. 
you know, injuries are going to happen. And so mm-hmm. guys who you're thinking now, like, okay, he's only going to have this role or that role. It can change like that. Yep. And, you know, now can you count on those guys to take on a bigger role? Or do you got to go out and find yourself a Josh Bynes or a Neil Jackson? So, you know, we'll see. We'll see we'll how see. it goes. But, hey, hey, look, I told Cole. Cole didn't believe me. He was like, you, you this is going to be a short one. You guys are just talking about the inside backers. I said, nah, man, when it comes to backers, we we going to talk. So, <laughs> Sorry to disappoint, right, Cole. <laughs> yeah, we, I, I, we're right under an hour, which is good for us. We, we're going to yeah. wrap this thing right about 56, 57 minutes, which I think is good for us. So, um, hey, thanks. To everybody again for tapping in and, and listening. Um, as I'm always reminded to say, uh, like and subscribe uh, to to two guys watching football. Obviously, to the Fire Zone show. Um, you know that, that there's going to be other episodes of that coming out, and obviously we're hoping to do some things during the season as we focus on defense to uh, uh, really put that in the prominent place that it deserves. Right, so, yes. so everybody can kind of uh tap in with us on that so again thanks everybody and uh this training camp series will continue we got a couple more positions i think we got to do dbs on defense and then um i know cole's doing the offense uh quarterback wide receivers tight ends running back so that's going to be coming out i think we're going to get everything out uh before they start training camp so uh, you'll have all of that to tap into so um you know just keep rocking with us and we appreciate y'all but uh dinar we are out of this thing man we we did it. We did the thing. <laughs> All right, everybody. Good night.